Hey, welcome to the Dad's Guide to Parenting. My name is Case. I share from my experiences of being a dad, the good, the bad, everything in between. So whether you're a mom, a dad, a grandparent, or just somebody who is helping to raise a kid, I hope that this is a help or an encouragement to you as you do that. So thanks for joining us. What up, what up? So today we're talking teaching my kid the Bible, like the title, how do I teach my kid the Bible? We, my son and I were in a conversation the other day, I'm taking him to school, driving and talking about his Bible class. He goes to private school, talking about, they've had, they have Bible every year, K through 12 Bible class, which is awesome. Like what more do you want as a Christian parent? I want my kid to have a Bible class rather than a, they have other classes obviously they have art they have foreign languages they have it's not bible is not an elective it's a requirement it's, i don't know why i'm telling you these things he has a bible class and has had one he's a sixth grader so he's had a bible class first through sixth grade and we are talking about what they're learning he had had a bible test made a good grade on it having a conversation about it and as we're talking and i'm asking some questions and he's talking about different characters i don't remember what we were talking about i don't remember what the storyline was but i do remember in the conversation going wait i i don't know that you have a consistent the wrong word i don't know if you have a full grasp understanding of the storyline genesis to revelation do you have a picture of that that's a working like could you tell that story and I think I asked that question. I was like, dude, like, could you sum up the story of the Bible in a sentence or in a short, a short phrase or a short, like if you had less than three minutes, how would you do that? And he starts to tell me, and in that it was clear, like you and I should probably spend a little more time intentionally talking about just the storyline of the Bible. And at the same time, weaving in, how does that apply? And so he, like he and I have done different things over the years on, okay, okay, I see a deficiency is the wrong word. I see a gap in my parenting and what I've taught you or what I've intentionally done and, and what, you know, and and the way that I'm judging it is, oh, you don't know that. Well, that's because I haven't taught you that. That's not your Bible teacher's job. Obviously the Bible teacher's job is to teach him the Bible and inside the curriculum that they either have been, I guess, assume that they give them, I don't think the teacher gets to pick that. Wow. Like I sound like a completely uninvolved parent. I have no idea how this, this system works. And you're like, really? Like you were a pastor and now you give advice on parenting and you don't know who chooses the curriculum. I actually don't. And man, I, maybe I should ask that question. That's an enlightening thought right there. But at the same time, that curriculum in that setting, and then my efforts in raising him to know, trust, and follow what the Bible teaches is there's a gap right now. Now he's 12. Did I have a full working knowledge? No, not even, not even close. I was raised in a Christian home. I went to church always. I think I was born on Wednesday and it was in church on Sunday. So I think I missed the very first opportunity and then never again did I miss an opportunity until later in life. And at the same time, I did not understand, like, I've got to trust Jesus for forgiveness and hope in life and all that. Like, it didn't all click for me until 18. So I had not spent hardly any time actually opening my Bible and reading it. And so I didn't, like, I knew the stories from Sunday school, but I had no idea 
no idea is the wrong word. I did not have a good, like, if you sat down and like, hey, tell me the story, I'd be like, uh, well, Genesis, God made everything. And then in Revelation, I think Jesus wins, but it's kind of scary. And I've never touched that because it makes me nervous at that point. And so at 18, I, st- I sat down and began to read my Bible and then went to college and I was studying to be a pastor. And obviously I had theology classes in Old Testament and New Testament in Greek and Hebrew and theology and Christian history. And we can, can go on because I did multiple degrees in that area of life. So looking back and then going, okay, I'm now 41, X amount of degrees in, X amount of professional work in, X like that. That's what I did when you went and did finance or you went and did construction or you did housing or you did marketing or you did fill in the blank or fashion or uh i don't know what your career is because you're i'm talking and you're listening and can't respond but i guess you can like if you want to leave a comment that would be cool what did you do but I, I like that's what i did was uh that so or was study the scriptures and then to teach it and to lead people so i look at it and go okay there obviously there's a big gap between where he's at at 12 and where I am at 41 and just, just the educational understanding. And so, and I got to close the gap. So what do I do? One, we read it together the best way out of, I'm, I am dropping a resume, but not for the sake of like, cool, man, that's so please. uh, I don't know if I can say the word douchey, on this podcast or not. I, I mean, it's my podcast, so I guess I can, but I got in trouble one time for using that word as a pastor on a church staff in a meeting. Cause he's like, I mean, maybe that lady could hear you say that. I, so I don't actually don't know if that's an inappropriate word. That's a question that I'm asking. Maybe there's a podcast that answers what are inappropriate words to use on podcast. That would be, that would be fun. So I'm not trying to be douchey when I say this. However, I have two master's degrees and my undergrad are all in the study of scripture. I have biblical studies, my undergrad, I have a Christian education, and then a master's in theology. And then I was on, I was on the on-ramp to do, I was in my pre-PhD work, the school that I went to, you had to do a year of theological German before you got into their actual PhD program. And so I was, I was in that program when I decided I am 29, I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old, and I'm missing their life because I am having to study so much, which was like the actual studying and what I was learning was amazing. And I had, I really enjoyed that part of school, but it was so much work for me to be able to keep up, to have good grades, and at the same time, try to be a dad and be a pastor. I was, I was, I was not firing on all cylinders. It was like, I had to study so much because- the way that my mental capacity is, it was it, that tank, uh, that amount of time was, I was having to use that to fill that tank to be able to do it. And it was too much for me. I, I, so there's my anti-douchey statement. I was not, it's not that I wasn't smart enough. It's that it took that much effort for me to get there. And it was taking away from, I was like, I can't do this right now. If I ever go back, which I, I may do that. Like when, when Dax gets out of high school, that may be what I do next is go back to school and say, Hey, I am going to finish this. I don't know. Maybe that'll be a later in life thing. Maybe, maybe not. It's not necessary, but I enjoyed it. And at the same time, I would say the best thing I ever did 
for understanding and knowing the scriptures was simply to read it. Not that I didn't read it in school, but we did a lot of other things. We read a lot of books. We wrote a lot. We did a lot of research. We looked at it, it, the theological German stuff was you go in and go, okay, there's a lot of theology work done in German and not translated to English because Luther was from Germany. And so there was a lot of writings during the Reformation from there that did not get translated. And so you're sorting through theological works from German theologians from the 1600, the 1600 century. 16th century, 16. I know the Bible. I just don't know any other words in, in education. And, uh, and so you're doing, you're doing that kind of work in it. Not only, but it's a lot. It's like a mix of all this kind of stuff. You know, like to keep up with your Greek and Hebrew, you're doing flashcards and you're just going through it and going through it and go through it. And so just sitting down, like just the simplicity of sitting down and reading the Bible and I was in a program uh, at Watermark in Dallas and, and spent 10 months. And that's what we did. It was like our class time there. When I say class time, it was all week long. You are, you are reading the scriptures and you are making the note. It was it basically like, it was, how do you study the Bible slash quiet time on like excessive steroids and growth hormones and anything else you want to throw in there as well as like the pre-workout, the creatine, the multi-protein shakes, and the caffeine all like all mixed in one. Here we go. It was the best thing I ever did. I, I will encourage my son, who I hope decides he I hope he's not a pastor. Uh, I, that's not a thing that I would choose for my child, as my mom would have said the same thing. And even when I told my dad, I was interviewing again at a church recently. And he was like, I'm are you doing what he was not, a, not approving of that. And which I didn't end up running that route. But I still uh, watching my parents respond. They were always supportive. They were always encouraging. They paid for a lot of my education, the majority of it. And at the same time, they're like, at the end of when it was all said and done, my mom told me, she was like that. I never would have picked that for you and nor would I ever pick it again. And, and we, you know, we had that conversation again. Um, it's talking about parenting, like par parenting never ends. Like I'm 41. My parents are still parenting me. I just got off the phone with my dad. And, um, before I, I hopped on here and not really, I guess we were talking about parenting, we were talking about all kinds of stuff, but I like my parents are still parenting me. They're not raising me anymore. I'm now raised. I don't see them every day. I talk to them most days and, and call for advice. And so it's like, dude, we're talking about teaching the Bible right now. I know I'm sorry. One, you have to, in order to teach your kid something, you have to know it. And which may, it may mean like the night before you're trying to read ahead to go, okay, what is happening next in the story? And I'm having a conversation or some intentionality with my kid the next day. So what Dax and I have started to do, that was a really long trail to get to, to say, what am I doing right now? When I take him to school right now is a lot of the times the windows of intentional conversation time he and I have are in the 15 minute drive between the house and the school or back or from practice or wherever we're going when it's just he and I, those are not every time, but those are the intentional times I can go, man, we're going to pause the radio or pause Amazon music and from our Texas country and talk about fill in the blank. In, in filling a filling or not filling uh closing a gap or wrapping back on here are the things that i need you to have hammered into your mind while i raised you that are going to be key points of foundation for you moving forward as a man 
so this is one of those things where we go, okay, let's go back. And so we are in the storyline of we're just walking through what is called inside inside uh, academic world or theology world, or if we're like, we're going to term that way, it's called a it's called the meta narrative. You've ever heard that if you haven't, it means big story. It, the, the Bible is a story. Now there are different there's historic writings, there's poetic writings, there's apocalyptic writings. And there's instructions, there's law, there's so there's a ton in there. It's not just a story, but it is a story. And it's a long story that covers thousands of years. And that goes into the future and eternity. So it's even more than that. But at the same time, you've got it is a story. And which was actually uh, not ironically, but how truth was communicated in ancient culture was by telling stories. And I mean, that's a, that's a normative human thing that we teach truth, that we teach lessons, that we teach all that through stories. And similar here is the Hebrew people, uh, as, as scripture became the Bible, these, those were the stories that were told that were passed down. They'd sit around a campfire at night. They didn't have TV. They didn't have, uh, I'm stuck right now on, uh, block puzzle. Excuse me. I always have the burp when I'm doing this. Uh, I, I get stuck on block puzzle on the, the, my iPhone right now and have, I've wasted hours of my life playing that stupid game. So whoever invented that, uh, I, I've deleted it four times and then reloaded it because I've gotten that addicted to stupid block puzzle. And anyways, um, there's another rabbit trail. We just keep running the rabbit trails. We go back through and just, I, I will begin telling Dax the story, or it's kind of, it's kind of like a question and answer slash quiz slash go back and fill in the gaps and, and go forward because he's had now five and a half working on completing his sixth year of actual Bible class in a classroom setting. He has like, when I say, Hey, Moses, what did he do? And like, we'll have that conversation. And then we'll, we'll go back and like fill gaps. Or if there's a, that like, that's not completely accurate to what the scripture storyline tells, then we'll have that conversation, adjust it. And at the same time, coming back and going, look, okay, not just knowing the story, but what do I do with it? What does that story mean? When, when the other day we were having, we were just doing Genesis, talking through the book of Genesis and that story of creation, fall, flood, the Tower of Babel, Abraham, Isaac, Jake, or Joseph, uh, Jacob, Joseph, and just that story of okay, there's your, there's the those are just basic outline. That's basic outline of the book of Genesis goes there, and then we fill in the storyline as we do it and go okay, creation, like what happened there. So we're talking about that, and then what happened in the fall? What like what do we take from that? Or just talking about there's the story. And then we go back and I said, we had walked through creation to Joseph and, and filled in the storyline of like, okay, basic work, working knowledge. Here's how it goes, flows. And then we're walking into Exodus and it's 400 years after Joseph and the people of Israel are now that hundreds of thousands of people and they're being enslaved by pharaoh and moses gets put in a basket sent down the river why because they're killing all the baby boys that's where we get in the story and then we so we got to there and it was like okay let's go back and let's talk about creation and don't tell me the story what do you like what do we know is true from the story of creation 
in talking simply about like, there is a God and he made everything. And even bigger than that, he made you. Like, why are you important? Because God made you. And, and then that leads into what does Genesis 3 teach us? Well, it teaches that we're all broken and that we need God and, and God and something needs to happen to fix what got broken there. And so like, again, this like basic, okay, I, he can now go back and go, I know this, he, he's heard the story before, but now we're intentionally walking through and we'll go back and repeat that. And I've said that before on podcasts of like, what I want them to know, I have to repeat. I can't just tell him one time. We can't at the age of 12 walk through the book of Genesis and he locks it all down and he's set and ready to go. Like, how can I expect that? I, I just messed up when I said creation, fall, flood, Tower of Babel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. I messed up Joseph and Jacob. I'm 41. I have three higher education degrees and I've taught the scriptures for two decades. I, I haven't run that track one time. I have no idea how many times I've said that. And meaning it had to be repetitive. I had, I studied, I've studied for years on, on this. And so meaning like, what do I want him to know? I have to repeat that and exhaust that repetitiveness to the point where he does rattle it out the same way. When I go, Dax, what's a, what's a, if you're nothing else, what I want you to be, I want you, I, you want me to be honest. We've exhausted that to where yeah, at one point he was making fun of me about not not in a disrespectful way, but like, that's the point you want to get to, to where, okay, I've said it so much. You will always remember this. Like Ryan, we make fun of Ryan all the time. My wife, Ryan, R-I-A-N-E, because she, for whatever reason in the last 10 years has picked up an English accent. She is from Arlington, Texas, has lived the entirety of her life in the state of Texas, other than 18 months we spent in Oklahoma. Shout out First Baptist Bixby loved Bixby. Oh my goodness. The people that we got to know there in that town is a cool town, but I am a Texan. And when I came home, I'm not bashing Oklahoma, but I don't know how everybody feels, but I am Texan enough to when I drove over the river on the way moving there, I just, there was a distinct feeling of the air got sucked out of my lungs, not like totally. And I couldn't breathe, but I could feel there was like, I almost felt like I can't breathe. And it, that feeling stayed until when we were moving back and we drove over the river into Texas, it was like, I can breathe again. It was, it was crazy. The, the way I felt, maybe that should be on a Texas podcast, native Texan podcast. Is there one of those? I'm sure there is. There's gotta be, but like how did you why are you telling this story i'm saying we are texans just we are and somehow my wife has picked up an english accent being a like a fourth fourth or fifth generation texan maybe maybe more i don't know um for her i'm fourth but still like like okay where did you get an english accent at she is a huge fan of travel and loves europe and she loves the British films. I'm sure that that has, I don't, Acorn, I think TV is the app that shows the British films. And when she started watching that with regularity, I think that's what has chameleoned her into using that. It's not all the time. It's certain words, particularly garage is now pronounced garage in Ryan's vernacular. And it has that 
I can't even do it. I'm, I'm not good at it. But our kids, Tanner in particular, will make fun of Ryan for the way she says garage or anything that has a rough sound. If there's an R in it or if there's a G, she's going to begin to have this London European, uh, not European, I guess, London British accent. And we're all like, really? Like, are we seriously doing this right now? And so there's multiple words she does it with and we make fun of her point is she's done it so much that we make fun of her that one day when she is dead and our kids are old like i'm dead she's dead kids are now grandparents themselves they will still laugh about how mom used to use british a british accent for certain words because she's done it enough like those that that will that has been locked in in the forever memory same way with this kind of thing i've got to say it so much that it locks in there. We got to have that conversation so many times. It's not a one and done. It is a track of like a strategic plan of we keep coming back to this conversation about this stuff of what it is that I want him to know. And so do I want my son to base his base, what he believes is true in life and how he makes decisions. I want is probably the wrong word if if that's not the way he runs with it then i i'm gonna i'm gonna make a caveat in the statement before i get there if you have a kid that you raise to i don't remember the passage raise a child up in the way that they should go and in the in the end they will not depart from it forgive me for not remembering where that is located or even who wrote that but at the same time, if there are people who raise their kids very intentionally and strategically in that route, and it and and the kid runs somewhere else as an adult, they go somewhere else, and and that happens. That's not you failing as a parent. That's everybody makes their own decision, and you can't dictate that. But I've got to do the very best I can in teaching my son that. In truth is found in the scriptures. Wisdom is found in the scriptures. When I make life decisions, am I going to buy a car, buy a house, marry this girl? How many kids, what job, fill in the blank. When I go, I need a piece of wisdom. I want his first thought to be, that's, uh, I got to ask the scriptures first. Like when I sit down and go, Jesus, uh, will you give me wisdom for one? Like, why would I ask that? Well, because James wrote it and said, if you're lacking wisdom, anyone who lacks wisdom, ask, and Jesus will give it to you abundantly. I want that to be what, man, I need advice. James says that, so I'm going to go here. Where do I find wisdom writings? In Proverbs, why? Because Solomon was the wisest man to ever live, historically agreed upon, whether you're a believer or not. Solomon was the guy, and he wrote a whole book about wisdom, so I'm going to go there. And it... it should I take this job? That may not be in there. It's actually not. And when I was asking that question, I'm starting an interview process two months ago and beginning to ask the question, am I going to go back into this? And, and as I began to look for wisdom in the scripture and go, that answer wasn't there. Now, it doesn't mean that it never is. When I say that answer wasn't there, like it didn't say, Case, here's what you should do fill in the blank. And, it, and I didn't even get offered that job. It wasn't like, and I didn't not either. Like I, I stopped and said, Hey, I, step one in of four steps. This isn't for me. So it, great conversations, whatever, if you want to, you don't even care. So what I'm trying to get at as, as I looked at that, it like Jesus didn't give me a clear 
here's here it is go but i still had a clear wisdom process to work through in what the scriptures gave and that's where i want to start and i want that's where i want him to start so not only do i want him to do it because i'm modeling that i, I want to teach him why and if i don't do that with intention then then okay well why is it i, I want it to be grounded deeper and it's one of those things where it's like they're going to watch you and they're going to do what you do you've laid the foundation well, I did it with intention, the foundation a little bit deeper. Instead of a four-inch foundation, it's six. Well, I did it with intention and regularity and fill in the blank. Now it's eight to 12 inches deep, and it's like double rebarred, and the rebar is huge. If you build houses, uh, you could probably correct what I've got wrong in that. I've never built a house, but I have laid some concrete and in, in planning to add some uh, in the next 12 months as well. So that would be helpful advice for me if you have that and you want to send that to me, you can send it at uh, either jofp.ch at gmail.com. That's Durham, former pastor, Casey Hubert. It's Case Hubbard, but still at Gmail, or you can send it to the dad's guide, the dad's guide to parenting at gmail.com, either one of those, and say, here is your foundation laying rebar conversation answer. For a 20 by 10 slab that you're going to build on. Thank you. So, uh, you got to do stuff with intention. And just like everything else, like I'm going to do it with intention, I'm going to do it repetitively, and then I'm going to keep doing it. What's that idea of like, it's simple, but it's not easy because I have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. And it's not as simple because I have to know it. So if I don't know it, one, I have to know it. that idea of be who it is you want them to be. Well, if I want them to know the scriptures, I have to know the scriptures. If I'm going to teach to them, I have to know it. If I don't know it, I should probably know it so that I can teach it and actually have like, there is a reason to know it. And it does, it, it really is like foundational, like for my decisions, the way I do things when I go, I'm right or I'm wrong and why, and what do I do about it when I'm wrong and how do I handle it when I'm right and somebody else is wrong and what, like, what is most important in life and all of those things. I believe firmly by experience, by not, the scriptures hold these secrets to life and eternity and, and I'm all in on that and I want my son to to be the same. And so I need to not only be that and model that, but I also need to teach him and, uh, and also use my experience of what, what helped me the most in learning and, and begin to do that or continue to do that. And I've started, I've stepped that up to do it at a greater level because I said, Hey, I'm evaluating and we're not where I would want to be in terms of, I don't think I've done a good enough job. So I got to do better. And I'm going to do it like this. And so same way as when I took, hey, here's the four things I want him to know. And I spent five years just like hammering that out. Maybe it was seven years. Last five to seven years, we've been hammering that out. And he knows it uh, in and out now. And so now it's like, man, there's more detail because he's 12. His mind is a little bit bigger in terms of how it thinks. It's thinking, it's thinking deeper than surface level concepts or right in front of my face. He now has a multi-layered brain working uh, dimension to him in a way that he didn't when he was four. And so that's, that's growing. And so, so does my strategy it needs to grow and deepen and be better. So how, like, that's how I do it. I, I, I use the story and then I wrap back and repeat and then weave in the lessons that we're wanting to learn to point back and then use examples in life and then try to tie that together with regularity. So teaching the kids your Bible, uh, being consistent, knowing it and, 
and, and then I just said that do it like do it with regularity. You have to know the Bible and teach it to them in a way that they can understand and you have to do it with regularity. So I guess those are the three points that I'm trying to get at. Thank you for listening today. Hope you have a great day. Um, check out other podcasts that we've got coming up, interviews uh, with different different dads, different parents, uh, different tips, different cool things. And uh, yeah, like, share, subscribe. Appreciate you for being here. Later. Hey, thanks for joining us today on the Dad's Guide to Parenting. If you would like the video version of these, you can go to YouTube same title the get the dad the gad the dad's guide to parenting if you want to donate you can actually go to buymeacoffee.com backslash case hubbard you can donate there if you'd like to you can also reach me at the dad's guide to parenting at gmail.com any question you have thought you got an argument whatever it is if you'd like to discuss i'd be happy to engage with you thank you again for listening subscribe like share comment all those great things i hope you have a great day and enjoy being a dad or a mom if you're a mom enjoy that too later